0: And uh, his show was called, anybody know his show? The Joy of Painting. Uh, When I was a kid, we didn't have that many uh, channels to select from, so surfing channels was always difficult uh, to do because uh, how many channels did you have if you were uh, three? Okay, three? I guess we were in the big leagues. We had 13, 13 channels. That was, uh, of course, until uh, cable came out. But with 13 channels, uh, it was not that hard to surf. And PBS, at least where I grew up, was 13. That was where you you went to uh, watch Sesame Street or whatever else. But whenever I would see this guy, I would stop changing the channel. And, you know, changing, you got up and actually had to turn it, although my neighbor uh, had one, you know, one of the clickers, and it still made the sound when you uh, clicked it. Sounds like I grew up a long time ago, right? Some of you could beat me at that. Uh, But whenever I would see him, I would stop changing. I mean, it's not that I was the artistic type, but I was drawn in by this white man's afro, (laughs) right? How did he get all of that hair? If you look online, not right now, of course, but if you were to look online, you would see there is controversy surrounding Bob Ross's hair. It turns out, at least uh, most people think, that he had a perm. And uh, yes, yes, and uh, he maintained. Uh, he would. Uh, he had straight hair, but he maintained this hairstyle for a long time. And that's. I don't think we would recognize Bob without that. But uh, I also was mesmerized by how he could take a blank canvas. Or a piece of paper. And throughout the length of the show or by the end of the show, he would turn it into a masterpiece. Always something that's beautiful like that. And you would see him, this is why you couldn't turn the channel. You'd see him coloring a little bit, a little tree here, a little tree there. And then all of a sudden the mountains and the clouds and everything else. He didn't just start throwing paint on a canvas though. He had a design in mind. He had something that he was trying to bring forth on that blank canvas. And he had a vision for the end result. Well, based on what we have heard in our scripture readings this morning, that's what uh, God does as well. And that's how God creates. All of you are like blank canvases. Uh, you are what God is creating and continuing to uh, develop in life. And God has a vision in mind for how we are to turn out in life. Have you ever talked to someone who is older and, and you say, what what do you do? And, and, and they say, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what I'm going to be when I grow up. And uh, I think we are all that way. It doesn't matter what age we are. We always recognize that that there's more to come, right? We're never finished. And whether or not we recognize that, other people do. And they would say, no, God's still working on you. God still has much to do with you. So God always has this blueprint, this design for our lives. And God desires to shape us and mold us. And so if you kind of think about moving from canvas to uh, clay and to pottery, Uh, that is where we begin to connect with our scripture today. And as we think about God's creation of our lives, we realize that some days are easier for God than others, right? I mean, think about that in your own life. Sometimes it's just much easier for God in your life than it is for others. Some days we just don't want to be shaped. Some days we just don't want to be painted. We don't want to be on God's canvas, we would rather do something else with our lives. Some days we aren't willing to see that we are clay and that God is indeed the potter. The people that Jeremiah was writing to, the people of his time, had days like this as well. As God's spokesperson to them or God's prophet to them, to uh, uh, the people of Israel Jeremiah shared what God had to say about their need to get into God's shape. And if you ever want to just see that not everybody uh, is normal in ministry, I know it's hard because I I represent such a normal example of what it means to be a minister. Read Jeremiah. Or if you ever think that depression is something that... uh, is sinful or something that you shouldn't have, or you're, you're just not right, read Jeremiah. We call him the weeping prophet. And uh, he struggled with who God had called him to be and what God was developing him to be. And if anything else, it reminds us that God is not through with us. God is always working in our lives and that we are God's creation. But God told Jeremiah, if you look here in, in the scripture, to go down to the potter's house and there I will let you hear my words. I overheard the uh, Sunday school class, uh, the adult class that, is, uh, that meets right outside the door here, uh, talking about this scripture and uh, some of the details and some of the things that go into pottery and, and, and how to do that. I'm always fascinated by people who can do that. Uh, But he called Jeremiah to go down to the potter's house. This is how God dealt with Jeremiah. Uh, He had these really strange assignments. And this one isn't all that strange compared with the others. But he says, go down to the potter's house. I just want you to go there. I don't want you to get a pot. I don't want you to uh, do anything but just watch. Just observe what is going on there. And it was there that he saw the potter working at his wheel. And while watching him work, he observed, he says, Then the word of the Lord came to me. Can I not do with you, O house of Israel, just as this potter has done? Says the Lord, just like the clay and the potter's hand. So you are in my hand, O house of Israel. So God wanted Israel to know that they were in his hands. And they needed to hear that, didn't they? You know what that's like. To feel like you're out of God's hands, that God has dropped you, that God has forgotten all about you, that God isn't aware, or that maybe God just threw you somewhere and wanted to get you out of His hands. But we see that what He wants Israel to know is that's not the case, that He would keep shaping them into His intended design. If they weren't malleable, he would break them down. And if you think about that with a piece of clay, taking a piece of clay that... uh, And this happens to me every time I try to make something with clay. uh, I just get frustrated and kind of smoosh it all back together and try again and again and again until I can get at least something that is the design I have intended. And so Jeremiah is saying, that's what God will do, Israel, if you are not going to be uh, flexible, if you're not going to cooperate with what God is doing in your life. And so he urged them to turn. He says, turn now all of you from your evil way. This is a word to the nation that he gives to them. Turn, repent and come back to God and amend your ways and your doings. So God wasn't happy With what was going on in their lives. The injustice, the corruption, the sin that existed within their nation. So now, fast forward. We have had two texts that we've heard here today. Fast forward to Israel in the time of Jesus. So we're still dealing with God's word to Israel, but Israel is still clay. This design is still in process. Uh, God still has them in his hands and is working with them now even more directly than he had been. God had sent prophets to them like Jeremiah and Isaiah and Amos and all these other prophets. But now he is providing a living model of what they were to look like and to be. As we look at this, we see that now God has incarnated himself among them. God has taken on human flesh and that's what we celebrate at Christmas time that God entered into the world in such a specific kind of way to be present with them. In our gospel text this morning we have heard some powerful words that that incarnation of God that Jesus speaks for God to them about getting into the shape That God has for their lives. And the specific shape for them. Was a cross. That is the design that God has had for them. Is to live in the way of the cross. And so Jesus gets right to the point. He says whoever does not carry the cross. And follow me. Cannot be my disciple. This is a crowd of people. People that are all around Jesus, listening to him and, and just holding to uh, every word that he has to say. But now things get more difficult. Jesus is starting to dwindle down this huge crowd to say, that's great that all of you are following along, but if you really want to keep following, if you really want to be a follower of mine and to go in the way of God in the world, you're going to have to take up a cross. And so they're thinking, a cross? We saw crosses out at the edge of the city. That's what Romans do. Romans build crosses and put criminals on them. And they put them out at the edge of the city so that when people are coming in, they know they need to behave. Jesus, did you say cross? You want me to pick up a cross? That's not what we had in mind. That's not the design of we had for our lives. And Jesus says, no, that's the way it is to be. Jesus would later show them what that would look like in a very graphic way as he would die on the cross. Being cross-shaped would mean loving God even more than family. And what a troubling thing this is. Uh, We scratch our heads and say, what? Hate mother and father and brother and sister? What are you talking about? You've just said that We are to honor our parents. We are to do all of these things for uh, people in relationships. And so they're wondering, what is Jesus talking about today? It would also mean loving God more than self. It would require loving God more than possessions. At the end of this passage we heard today, he said, unless you're willing to give up your possessions or that which possesses you, You can't move on. You just can't. You can't go on. Holding on to all of this stuff. Taking the shape God had for them would be costly. And it would require them to determine if they were truly willing to pay the price. The price to become what God intended for them to be. He says, count the cost. Gives two examples. If you're going to build something... You count the cost because there are plenty of people who are humiliated because they can't finish a project because they didn't understand what it was going to cost. Don't be like them, Jesus says. And then he says uh, same thing if you're going off to war. No king goes off to war without understanding what it is going to cost and then some. Jesus says you can't go on with me unless you count the cost. If you had to describe yourself as pottery today, what would you be? Don't you hate that question? That sounds a lot like uh, an icebreaker question a small group leader would use. And if you've ever been in one of my small groups, you know I enjoy picking icebreaker questions that I tend not to answer for myself. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but I'll ask the person to my right to begin, say, we're going to have an icebreaker question. You go ahead, and by the time it gets around to me, nobody even thinks about the fact that I haven't gone yet, and I just keep (laughs) on going. And I don't want to answer those questions. Uh, Not anymore. (laughs) Uh, But there's the question I've asked before. If you can describe your week as a weather report, what would it be? People hate to answer that question. They say, well, I'm cloudy or I'm a thunderstorm or I'm sunny. And everybody hates it when people say that. (laughs) Or if you could describe your day with fruit, what would you be? An apple. (laughs) It's interesting to hear what people will say. But the whole idea behind these icebreakers is to get everyone in the group talking, right, to loosen up the tongue and And so that we can have more group interaction when it comes around time to discussing what is in our study. To reflect, not only inwardly, but outwardly. And that's something that we need to do when it comes to the kind of shape that we are in. We're to reflect, what kind of shape have I taken? And so I ask you this morning, so what kind of shape are you in? Are you bent out of shape? Too rigid and too difficult for God to work with? Maybe you're that piece of clay that God just thinks I'm going to have to I'm going to have to dismantle this design that I have and start over again. Are there impediments of possessions and misplaced priorities? I heard something and I wasn't eavesdropping on y'all Sunday school class but about the impurities that can get into uh, the clay. And so the potter knows how to work with all of that and to get those things out, to get the rough edges off and and all of that. And maybe there's some of that in your life. Maybe there's some in mine. Or are you getting in shape but just need some more time at God's pottery wheel? We all do. Maybe you are already cross-shaped looking more like Jesus every day, but you struggle with your shape. Like someone with anorexia has a a skewed self-image. Unable to see who you truly are as God's creation. When you look at yourself, you don't see the real picture. You see what you think is the real picture. But you're not seeing yourself as God sees you. Through eyes of grace and love and beauty. Jeremiah reminds us that we are creation. We have been made and we exist in the hands of God. But we are also held in the design that God has for us. Like clay in the potter's hand, know that you have marvelous potential. And when you look at that clay, sometimes you think, I, I'm not sure what this is to become. But when God sees you in His hands, He sees all of the potential that is there. Just like God uh, uh, sees that everything that He has made is good. But also that you have great worth and that you have a personal touch of divine activity. And that's really what we all ought to see in each other because we understand that we are made in the image of God. So every person, it doesn't matter who they are, where they're from, what they do, what they say, every person carries with them the mark of God. And I hope that people can easily see that in us I hope that you can see that easily in another person because it will change how you treat other people. Think about the difference uh, as you think about in your own life. Think about the difference that it can make in your day at work or at school to know that you are a unique part of God's ongoing creation, that God is shaping you into something special. But you also have parts of you that get in way of God's creative work in your life. I mean, there are parts of you and me that just need to go. Jesus wanted the crowd around him to see those parts within them. And he wants us right here today in this crowd to see what parts of us are keeping us from taking the proper shape. It could be that the parts in you are the same that were in the crowd that day. Maybe you are prioritizing relationships with people more than you prioritize your relationship with God. Maybe you are valuing possessions more than carrying a cross. You can't carry a cross if your hands are full with other things. It could be that you are in an argument with God about the shape that your life is to take. You may prefer something that looks more attractive than a cross. You may be frustrated with the molding process, preferring a different pace of development than God's. We get frustrated with ourselves, don't we? Thank God that He doesn't get frustrated with us and the schedule that He has for our lives. He just keeps on working. Whatever the case, it is good to know that God doesn't let go of you or the design that He has for your life. I mentioned Bob Ross as I began. Apparently, he did not like abstract art. He once said, if I paint something, I don't want to have to explain it and what it is. He had a design in mind and wanted it to be clear to everyone who looked at it. In the same way, God has a design in mind for your life. And when you take its shape, what and who you are won't need to be explained. Let's pray.